Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you today with this message of dire importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10-year-old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can I come over and watch Freaky Farley with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action, which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome back to Don't Let the Motone Cast Get You, a podcast dedicated to the films of Charles Roxburg and Matt Farley. I'm here with my friends Calvin, Matt and Stephen as always, and today we're talking about the final two films in the Motown Druid saga, Druid, Gladiator Clone, and Druids, Druids Everywhere. Join us as we discuss a perilous battle with good versus evil, with skateboarding, lightning hands, trampoline training <laughs> montages, and girls who hate cats. How's everyone doing today? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, I'm doing especially well uh, because after the relative low that was Sammy, I was so unbelievably pleased to be back on the motor train mm-hmm. with um, Druid Gladiator Clone, which won great name, and also I'm saying it, great movie. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, explore this part of Peter Bogdanovich's career. So um, I have a lot of notes <laughs> on this moment of tragedy that struck in his uh, development of uh, relationships. A lot of a uh, he met and dated half the cast in this movie, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put that past either Farley or Charlie. Well, no. listening to the commentary track, there, there are a few ex-girlfriends floating around the um, the Moturn cast, so... Oh gosh, creeping country. It's wild out there. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, is a, this is a solid Druid film. I'm just going to go yeah, out there solid Druid. I, I'm going to say it's the, the most... Film. Yes, Matt and I both mm. believe it's the, the most Druid film. I assume we're talking about Druid. We're talking about Druid Gladiator Clone first. Um, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. You'd think that Druids, Druids Everywhere would be the most Druid film. It's definitely the most so. Druid title of any film ever. It, it may maybe be the least title. Druids though, in a film. Um, yeah. uh, Sammy has few we'll, Druids. But... We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, Kevin. We'll get to that because there's, mm. there's, there's conversations to be had about Druid ratios. Well, but yeah, we have to count the Druids, of course. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. part. That's why. How many keep a tally? I did actually. Some oh, of us yeah, rank yeah. movies, some of us count druids. <laughs> it's a new thing. In every movie, we're counting the druids. Um, it's going to lead to a slippery definition of druid, I guess. I feel, druidism. Like, I feel like because we talked so much on the Sammy episode about topless Matt Farley, um, ah, yes. in into this film, because obviously I'm seeing this film for the first time today, and this film is nothing but topless Farley, and it's fantastic. Well, uh, well I... Was, I don't want viewers, slash listeners, to be disappointed. There are things in the film that are not topless Matt Farley, so don't go into this expecting some kind of OnlyFans content. Um, fans will find things to like, um, but not OnlyFans. I believe they said that uh, it cost them about $50 to get that many bed sheets for him, which is uh, way over their budget. <laughs> and for he, that sort well, of... Then he used them as actual bed sheets. You know, he repurposed his you know, props. Uh, listening on the commentary track, he, they went to Walmart, bought some bed sheets, and now he just has bed sheets. So, and he know. slept on them to, to make better use of the budget. That's two birds, fantastic. Two birds, one very comfortable stone. Charlie <laughs> so, and Charlie a, are not like the uh, subject of that documentary that you and I both watched, Calvin. Uh, uh, Giuseppe makes a movie uh, where he uh, 
throws away the props after every movie and makes like three a year and just buys new ones every time. It's insane. <laughs> he has his dad literally go buy his entire like stock of props for the movies. And he's making movies just like these backyard movies, but down in Florida. So he takes a Florida approach, which is very, very wasteful. And not uh, our Giuseppe here, but a, a different one, in fact. So um, as a as a lazy film critic, um, I fall back on like kind of very very frequent criticisms time and time again. And one thing that you'll hear me repeat so much is this thing of being like, there are blah amount of movies in this movie, and that being usually a criticism. Now mm. there are about five movies in this movie. That's a lot. And of this time, I mean it as a positive because I enjoy all the oscillating pieces. Um, so we begin um, during Gladiator Clone. Um, with a bit of druid, um, no gladiator and no clone. No. I like that it does come in that order. Like it literally, like there is like three distinct sections of druid, gladiator, in that, clone. In it's a bit of clone gladiator at the end, admittedly, but um, it is it is nice because you get it there. You're waiting for it. Um, so our opening bit, which is just like this, is nominally a, a sequel. It, it's almost like a direct sequel to Caribbean Country because um, mm-hmm. we have carryover of characters and we have carryover of like consequence in some instances and they're ostensibly the same characters but it begins with matt farley you know ex-mayor i guess scandalized mm-hmm. yeah, mayor, yeah. Uh, mayor of disrepute now um the tunnels are never completed no walking will be done just running around <laughs> randomly around the town and i presumed murdering everybody <laughs> well he's just you know lightning hands fantastic yeah, emperor palpatine lightning hands He's been equipped with the beam of goodness by a Palpatine-like <laughs> figure who's played by Kevin McGee. Yeah, uh, yeah, continues to. And just every time the phrase beam of goodness was said, I mean, I was beaming and I laughed <laughs> so much to the extent, if you look at my Twitter for like an hour, I'm just saw... repeatedly tweeting things about beams. <laughs> I saw you tweeting Farley about beams of goodness. And I was like, I'm definitely going to enjoy this film. <laughs> beams of goodness is so great. But I, gen- I mean, am I the only person that just thought he was just murdering people for a while? No, I thought so, especially how some of the scenes are shot, like the guy laying on the ground, and then <laughs> seems like he's come and really fucked him up. But uh... mm. And it's intercut with like this like talking head interviews people where some people say he's a menace, and I'm like, yeah, I agree, he's murdering <laughs> everybody. That. And then someone's I like, that. I think he's pretty sexy. I'm like, these things can both be true. Some people mm-hmm. call him the weird guy. Some people call him Black <laughs> Death. You know, he's got a lot of fantastic names. It's the yeah, best. I wrote them all down. Movie. Should we go through all of them? Yes, yes. please. Uh, oh, Matt, you are such things. a treasure. Yes, we have Weird Guy, Black Death, The Sandman, <laughs> the, cute, the Cute Guy in the Cloak, that was my Growling by Freak far. in Black, The Black Gypsy, Beam of Goodness, and oh, sorry. Now I was looking at other things. Yeah, <laughs> Black Gypsy was the last one. <laughs> That's some, some good names there. Yeah. Just, just wonderful. It's, it's, it's not in the verbose register, but it's in the silly register um, that the Moton folks can do so much, and it's just great. And it's, it's a great kind of like meshing of just like wackiness and seeming murder, but it's not. It's the beam of goodness um, with those interviews. So that bit, just terrific, just terrific. Uh, I, just, I was going to say, I love those talking head interviews. It feels like a nice little, I don't know, stylistic choice to throw into a Moton movie. I don't think they've really done much of that in the films we've seen previously. I don't know, it just fleshes the previous out the ones, world. No, no, it just no. fleshes out um, the world a bit more and you know, introduces more of that sort of community filmmaking angle and it's such like a rural thing. They've just got fun friends as well. Fun yeah. friends with just like, interesting things to say. So it's nice to just see this like variety of faces that some return and some don't. I enjoy that immensely. I may have a hot take that I find this to be one of the more cohesive of the, uh, certainly the Druid films, but um, altogether in the filmography, I think this one is uh, paced very well. That's Gladiator <laughs> Druid Clone. But I, I've uh, also come to realize that these early films 
as it's written in motored on motored is just experiments for them to try things like yes. they want people to like approach their filmography once they get to freaky farley and they start start shooting on you know like 16 millimeter and mm. they have equipment and budget and friends that are willing to really do it but uh, these practice films could also be very satisfying and i think this might be my favorite of the practice films uh, mm. I'm, I'm i was very taken by it and laughed the whole way through there's like another quote in the book that's a uh, uh, chart saying um uh, we're so used to expensive cinema that people kind of revolt when they look at uh, these mm. films shot on any camera, but movies can be shot on any camera. And uh, maybe it's just our expectations are out of whack. And uh, this is actually another proper way to do things that do things that's equally as valid. I, I, I agree with you to an extent about this. I think this is, this is almost my favorite so far. I think I do slightly prefer Adventures in Grooving Country because I think that gets to more of the kind of like the hanging out kind of, I think what mm. I realized when watching um, Metal Detect Maniac, which I loved, um, is so much what I like about it is just, the dynamic between the two. And I think they have such a great dynamic. And I love that Crew and Country leads into that. And I think like a third of Crew and Country is just as good as some of the later stuff. But I do think this is really, really good. I also think this is the closest we've seen to um, a Postman so far. Um, Paperboy, sorry. Yes. Um, it's very much like has that kind of like sporadic energy. Um, and especially at the beginning, just like random things happening. It feels like an expansion on everything I liked about that movie, like brought onto a larger canvas. So that I really enjoy. To me, it's the most movie that we've got so far. I mean, it's, it's the most constructed. Movie. Yeah. It's an absolute movie. Um, there are just so many ideas in it. And, like, yes. none of them really have, or, like, so many of them have nothing to do with each other. It's just, <laughs> and it's in the title. It's Druid Gladiator Code. Like, <laughs> exactly. these are completely separate ideas. Yeah. It's uh, insane to have them all. Well, it's definitely Especially like... the random cloning part of it's just like, oh, I can clone myself now, which is, yeah. which is it's which, funny as a joke. It's that it's, sense of they like foreshadowed in the title, you are right, man. Then it's just like, bam, I can clone myself now. So this is definitely This is definitely Charlie getting an upgrade on his Final Cut Pro license and getting like a demo <laughs> of After Effects and being able to do these lightning plugging things mm. and to do like the cloning compositing things and listening to the, uh, the Gold Ninja video commentary track. Uh, Charlie would then move to LA and start working in like sort of special effects, compositing, editing, that sort of side of things. So this almost mm -hmm. feels like that's the angle he was going for, like an experimentation in this film. It really does feel like the first one that's edited, as we said before, they have yeah. like no budget on these movies and they're basically shooting everything that they could use. And there are no cuts in like the movies before this. This is just what they shoot. It's complete. And, uh, these are less available because they might not want you to want you to start with them. But uh, there's there's a lot of joy once you get through some of the major moderns to come back to these things. Yeah, I also say like bouncing off of Sammy, what I do really appreciate, no doubt about this, is this feels like another very good Farley role of like I think they did a very good job of. It is a little bit different because like he's doing some wacky stuff, but it feels very much more back in like his wheelhouse as an actor, whereas Sammy was definitely outside of that. Apologies. Uh, going back to what Calvin was saying about like how these are uh, the early ones aren't edited there's not a lot to edit with like uh in the promotion for the metal detector maniac they've been posting a bunch of like short videos on their youtube channel one of them they were saying we actually have like cut scenes and uh extra footage on this new blu-ray we couldn't do that before we just didn't have anything to have deleted Dad. scenes <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. It does Commentary. feel like a film with all of the film in it. It feels like there is this is this is everything of the film. Like there is no exactly. like sense of like dailies and cutting down here. This is this is the movie. 
on the commentary track, Justin uh, DeClue asks Charlie, like, oh, the final film is like pretty much exactly 90 minutes. Was there like a longer cut beforehand? Or And he was like, nope, that's just what we shot and edited and that's what we made. It was 90 minutes. <laughs> really beautiful. I, I, I prefer to think that they cut it and it was on and they're like, well, guess we must add a few scenes, actually. This is not quite a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to hit 90 minutes. Let's go back. Let's add some more. Can we slow this bit down? Add more lightning? I don't know. I don't know how films work. Um, yeah, and they discovered their lightning effect, obviously, in the editing, which is uh, just, I mean, that's the drive of the whole movie, yeah, I think. That's it's the, 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 film opens, the film opens with those lightning effects. I mean, <laughs> you know you're in a different era of Motown cinema. <laughs> you, know, you know you're going to get something different from the previous films. It's, 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 it's a little bit Star Wars special edition in places. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> this, this might be the best Star Wars film since, like, 1981 or whatever. It's oh, like, gosh, dear. Yes. It's, yeah. Well, you know, this is coming out around the same time as the prequels. And this is before Revenge of the Sith. And there's so much of that dynamic between Kevin McGee and Matt Farley as well, where it is like uh, the Emperor and Vader or Vader and Luke and, and this good and evil morality struggle. And like watching it, I was just like, this is this is just like their own Star Wars. This is the Motown Star Wars saga. The, someone even brought up Star Wars as a comparison on your letterbox review. I saw it, Jack. <laughs> they said, yeah. Drew Gladiator clone is Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, said, I said on my letterbox review, I said, like, this is the best film about Druid Gladiator clones. Hmm. And someone said, what about Attack of the Clones? And I was like, no, this when... is definitely the best film about Druid Gladiator clones. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, being like, it's, it's, it's a good joke to bring up other example of film as Gab. You can't bring up a worse film. You can't bring up one of them. <laughs> like, what about this known bad movie? Like, yes, it is better than that. But I, I like mean, how Attack of the Clones, you could argue, is a film about druid gladiator mm, clones. I mean, not, it's true. not yeah. all yeah. three in one, but there are... Django Fett's my favourite druid. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're on um, oh, Geonosis in the arena, that, yeah. that's gladiators. And obviously there's it all is clones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a fair... I think the Jedi's are druids, also, aren't they? Uh, Jedi's are druids, they wear robes. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. A druidic. Uh, to keep going back to the, the commentary track, uh, they asked, like, why druids? And Charlie just said, like, no one can really nail down the definition of druid. Like, <laughs> everyone has an idea of what a druid is, so it's you can play fast and loose with it. You could have, like, a monster in Sammy with goggles and beaming eyes, or you could just have Kevin McGee in a nice black robe or Farley <laughs> in some bedsheets. <laughs> Yeah, well, you discuss. have the poster from Bad Taste, which just appears personified at the end. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. yes, that's one of my notes. <laughs> is just like this turns into uh, a Peter Jackson schlock thing hey! but in the mid two thousands. I love, I love that Jack and I are the same person. Every now and then, it, every now and then works very nicely. There's something to it. Like a, if a druid is just Matt Farley in a helmet, a robe, or a beard, I think that's you know, I think that's the definitions worth working <laughs> with here. For me, why Druid, and this is like me implying a level of intentionality that they've never confirmed, but like, for me, I think one of the best things about the Motion team is they just have this mastery of, there are just strings of words in English language that are just funny, and Druid is just a funny word to hear repeated. Like, just, I, there's something about the sound of it, some about the concept of it, Druid is funny, and that's why Druid's Druid Everywhere is a great title, so Druid Gladiator's Clone is a great title, in the same way that Beam of Goodness is just a funny yeah, selection. That's a good phrase. That's the thing, um, they, they know that the music, choices. the humorous musicality of English language is key to these. Mm. That's the thing. Like, yeah, we because always, they, they we always pull have, up uh, phrases. We always pull up phrases from their films that we think are hilarious because they're, they're phrases or words that you don't <laughs> think are going to come into a motion picture in this setting or in this world. Like um, last time they were bringing up um, 
Buttress of Windsor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's something we so were immediately, immediately drawn to because it's just such an, a specific choice of word. <laughs> I did, there's a podcast that I listen to that I love so much um, called Doctor Game Show, which is like consistently the funniest show I, I listen to. And the, mm. the, um, one of the hosts from that, um, Joe Firestone, she does a lot of comedy teaching and she was talking about that. And she's one of the exercises she does is she sits because she does it with um, people that do no comedy at all, like have no background. And this was about a special she did with people that had like retired and they're just like doing it for fun um, from retirement home. Um, and she just said there and said, let's just list words and decide if that word is funny or not. And she's like, bam, is that a funny word? Is that a funny word? Is that a funny word? <laughs> and if it's like, they're just great at that. They just know, bam, that word funny. And then you have to think about it. Just that writing is good. It's good writing. As both Farley and uh, Charlie are um, English majors, I believe they uh, they seem to twist a lot of words and do the wordplay, but they also mm. have a lot of literature in their movies. So yes. I greatly enjoy the, the amount of um, literary inclusion here because that's something that I'm always interested in that Farley's doing. There's always uh, some like very high-minded literature in the background. It's almost like they're uh, mocking or they're, they're uh, confronting like a higher art within their, you know, lower art that aims low but succeeds completely they're like able to bring in these elements of like beyond good and evil and like philosophy and the video game? yeah uh the video game of course <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that kind of high art um ubisoft um but I, <laughs> I just love that they're able to like do this low art with like a high art wordplay and like this ability to be so literary at the same time uh it's it's such a good that, 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 that's the joy of postmodernism and like that's the thing that to get like pretentious again like that's the thing that Thomas Pynchon was so famous for of just like within like Gravity's Rainbow you've got like these long just like sections of just like basically weird poo stuff and like clubs that just watch King Kong repeatedly and then just like the most like high art literary things I, I just love that omnivorous approach I think like it reflects all of our interests here like as people that know us know we are all four people that just watch everything and I think we just yes. appreciate anything that tre- treats culture as culture like that does not like to like stratify that goes things are good because they are good and there is sometimes a time for saluting fanciness and there's time for druids gladiators clones and that time is all three right now I haven't thought about that, but uh, we are the four people I know who watch literally everything, and we we go into like the interesting subgenres of of movies that I see other people not even touching. So uh, That's this is a good crew for the show, I think. <laughs> it's a very, oh, like, very I really specific... worked that out this many episodes in. <laughs> it's a very specific interest, and it just sort of sits in this weird Venn diagram of all our other interests, and <laughs> the Motown gang sit right in the center of that. I can't believe to find out four episodes in, I'm doing a show with you guys. This is fantastic. <laughs> Wait, you're Calvin? Uh-huh, I'm recording? <laughs> uh, I mean, you missed the like, great pig content at the beginning. We should have been recording for that, is what I'm saying. There you go. You we do leave, leave things on the cutting room floor. <laughs> you want to explain what you mean by a pig? Or is it better no. not to explain? No, okay. no, no, no. I, I refuse to explain. I'm David Lynch, I will not elaborate. Open to interpretation. Uh, mm. some, you were just wearing too. a pig mask. No, I was not. <laughs> That's some great Kevin McGee. That's some great babe, Kevin McGee. Babe mask. three marketing. I'm doing my like David Lynch style of like getting Laura Dern an Oscar. This is how I get Babe three to happen. Will you tell us what the pig mask means, Stephen? Um, but uh, how does it make you feel when you dress in a pig mask and uh, arrive? At- <laughs> I don't like where we, this is going. We <laughs> keep asking you to take it off, but you just stare <laughs> into the camera and. I think as has become clear to anyone that keeps listening to me, I like to be the instigator of chaos. I don't like to be on the other end of it at all. <laughs> uh, yes, good Kevin McGee. Uh, powerful advances, as Matt has mm. pointed out. Yep, some great. We're going to have to make that the cover photo for this episode. 
Yeah, but, yeah such, he's uh, just standing right next to a bush, and he hasn't. The way the stance is, it, well, it he almost, has the same shape as yeah, the bush. Absolutely, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> it's like a perfect cartoon cutout of him, and you could shrink it down and put it because he was just hiding behind it, and it's just such a great stance. There's good framing from bush in to this. man and man to bush, and could not tell one from the other. It was beautiful. Yeah. All of Kevin's scenes are shot in either his garden or in his <laughs> home office, and it's wonderful listening to Charlie and Farley and how they'd be like, "Yeah, we'd just rock up to Kevin's house and ask if we could like film for an hour and if he's got the time or whatever." <laughs> it's I was just... watching Studio Six 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 yesterday, and uh, at the Good end, movie. Of the... yeah, uh, to spoil... I was sure you were about to say Studio Six on the Sunset Strip, and I was like, "Why? Why were you doing that?" And then it went somewhere else. I was like, that's just like a map thing today, why not? But but, but uh, at the end of that movie, Jeff Garland shows up in like a big like cult druid robe and all I could think of just looked just like McGee in these druid movies. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the Foo Fighters have seen Matt Farley's work and modeled the cult members' costumes after these druids. Yeah. I thought about them so much watching that. Um, just that like sense of Foo Fighters had this house available to them. They had their friends and a camera. And they're like, let's make a low-budget horror movie. And then it kind of like uh, snowballed away from them and it became a feature film. But mm. uh, just that spirit of having fun with your friends and creating something. That's why I like that movie too. Um, my review on the site, thetwingeeks.com. Thetwingeeks.com. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I will watch that. Is it, it's John Carpenter's in that, right? Yeah, uh, he's in it. He does yeah. the theme. Nice. Yeah, he does yeah. the theme at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 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 Um, so... It's a little peek behind um, the curtain of the many things we have going on here. Now, I, I, I like to bring things up apropos of any discussion, but a, a little like backdoor stacks input. As you know, we've got the stacks awards coming up um, just after the Oscars, and we do do an award. Do do. Um, we do an award um, every every year. We've done the stacks. Every so just the, the second time. <laughs> Every year we do it um, for just like an just an honorary award for just like a filmmaker or film person. I am I am going for Kevin McGee for this we've time. Both, we've already discussed this. Like we know we're going to give it to Kevin McGee. There's so no we're announcing I've it seen. now before the stats. Yeah. So Is there just, like what if you what if you also rename the award award in the future the <gasps> Kevin McGee Award? Yes. For like, Oh, Calvin. Uh, the Kevin McGee award. award for Outstanding Contribution to Film. Yes, and instead I love of like, it. Instead of the Oscar statuette, it is... Uh, <laughs> the River Beast one. <laughs> in his silver sort of portrait Oh my mode. God, we could actually it's just start. Like, this is how we get the stacks famous, is we just make a novelty. We 3D... Matt, you probably have a 3D printer. You're into that kind of stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Matt, yes, you do. <laughs> we get Matt to 3D print a Kevin McGee statuette, and we just like find the agents of... Celebrities, we find big ones. I don't know, <laughs> Lil Yachty X or whatever his name is. Little and just... Yachty X. <laughs> Stephen is so so down with the kids. It's unreal. You. So you're gonna exploit Motor Media's popularity to yeah, yeah, the stacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we made this podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> Why else are we here? I was surprised when someone showed stacks. up in our community and they're like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm just a big fan of this show." Like, I, I thought it was a joke. That's yeah. great. I, yeah, someone joined the uh, Between Geeks Discord. just because of the show. So we Amazing. we have reach. We have yeah, no well, reach. We're gonna give that person our award. <laughs> um, there is basketball in this movie. They play basketball. Of course, there's the yeah. staples. There's yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a love triangle which is actually a um, a frequent feature of these movies and I made in my notes um, I almost always hate it when there is someone who plays a cast themselves in the main role and decides to make themselves the object of central attraction mm. like it's very Woody Allen it's very modern Clint Eastwood mm. and it's always just like 
mm, you're doing it for these reasons. And this is just one of the better versions of, I think it's because Matt Foley always allows himself to be the butt of the joke and is aware yeah. that he's the butt of the joke. And it's never, oh, it's because he's great and sexy. It's always just a bit like, this is just silly oh. and this is ridiculous. I think that's just Peter Bogdanovich imparting like his uh, lived mm. experiences with polyamory. Era. Oh, God. The only problem with Woody Allen, the only problem with Woody Allen. The only problem problem with Woody Allen is he never had the capabilities to clone himself so he could be with Oh, Jack, your punchline's not because you're set up. I'm sorry. (laughs) You see, the thing with Woody Allen. Hot take. (laughs) There is to be a problem to be found with Woody Allen. It's that he can't clone himself. It's that he can't clone himself. Yeah, yeah, because that's what the world needs. More (laughs) Woody It's really beautiful how the cloning device works. It's just this like uh, thing on his back that once he takes it off, he has a clone. That's that's it. Security tag in a shop. Yeah. Like buying clothes from Primark. Like you just like, oh, did you not take the tag off? And now I've got two of them. Now I've got two of me. Great. (laughs) (laughs) There's some. You can see Charlie skateboarding a lot in this film. Mm, I didn't know he could do that. It's filmed with like uh, a fisheye lens from when he would make skateboarding videos with his friends. And there is a Lords of Dogtown poster at some point as well. Is there? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Thank you. So yeah, thank you. you. So that's some new Charlie Law is that he's an avid skateboarder. (laughs) And can pull tricks. Like at one point, like there was, I'm going to say it was a pop shover. I'm going to say I saw him do a pop shover. Yeah, this isn't a man who bought a skateboard to be in a film. This is a man who has a skateboard because Mm. he skateboards and thought, I can use this in my book tour. (laughs) Or just be way over budget skateboards. I mean, (laughs) it's better than renting a car. It's just. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We should talk about Charlie's role in this movie. He's become. researcher of druid lore trying to figure out what they're all about jack do you remember what oh druid i've got it stands i've got for? it yeah yes. uh, so this we the, i'm telling you the commentary track was so good uh druids stands for dirt's really ultra important dude <laughs> which is such like Man. It's like it's not even brought up in the film, but then they both said it on the commentary track, and it's like that's an extra nugget of Motown that they could have put on and put into the final film. But it's just a little tidbit for the fans out there. I'm, presu- I'm presuming we're aware of like the, the the concept of backronyms of just like words that are made into acronyms, and you get the word first, which I always just enjoy anyway. Yeah. And I especially enjoy backronyms where the last letter is clearly just like um and something else, dude. <laughs> They're like, um, fill a word. <laughs> it goes back to like, the, there is a, a simple, like there's a pedagogical acronym that's used a lot, which is like KISS, which is keep it simple, keep it stupid. Simple, stupid, yeah. A lot of that in recovery, which which I'm in recovery. And uh, a lot of people come up with acronyms that just sound nice, but like mm. it's like these recovering old timers who, who just come in and like throw out all these words like, like KISS or, you know, like uh, mm. total nonsense that like, they think yeah. like a newcomer could like grasp onto, but means absolutely nothing. Wasn't there that video game Wargasm, which claimed that it was an acronym, but then just war just stood for war. <laughs> They're like, we really didn't try with that one. Jesus. We worked in the G-A-S-M, but we just wanted to call our game Wargasm. So it's just, it's war and then gasm. So weird thing about like these two movies, just like uh, at this point, at least early on, Matt and uh, Charlie are uh, switching off who's directing like it's not especially meaningful that it's a matt farley film mm. it just means that uh, he chose to have his name on this one well charlie it's... will get the last to next credit it's like so. a coen brothers kind it of is thing. The co- you know, they, for they, a while they... it's just like one credit and then eventually right. it's just one credit because they're making boring Macbeth movies hmm. 
then they realized that Charlie was the uh, real cinematographer and that he knew how to operate a camera. And most of the credits went to him, except uh, like I think local legends, which Matt just made alone. Because yeah. Matt, Matt, says, <laughs> Matt says he didn't really care if the shots were out of focus for um, local legends, but if he was running the camera for a Charlie scene, he'd be like, he really didn't want to mess it up because obviously Charlie's <laughs> going to have to look back at it and stuff like that. It's interesting because that's my favorite one, but I don't think there's like a formal reason why if it's yeah. Charlie or Matt, like a mm. local legends really changed my mind about some things about cinema and how I was approaching them especially. So mm. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've really gotten into this where I can... I can be okay with these low budget movies and uh, this, this approach, especially that they have. And this time I was just so pleased by it. Like I was, I was grinning like half, half the movie and I don't know if there's like jokes that I could like repeat on the podcast that sound funny to a listener who doesn't know what yeah. modern media is. But uh, if you watch the film, I, it's just delightful. Like every two minutes I'm, I'm smiling or laughing at, at not formal jokes, but just like the, the, energy. the fun of it all. Yeah. Matt, Matt has such good energy in this. Like, there's so many montages of him just like running and just like <laughs> flipping around doing cartwheels or something. That's a walking enthusiast. That's like, that's real acting. Absolutely. Him. This is a, um, and obviously, there is the reference to Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which is uh, a Matt Farley staple. We've got the Garbage Day reference, which took me by surprise i forgot it them lampshading that as well of when they because like it by itself i was like oh yeah that's a movie i still haven't seen i get you like it but then they followed it up with that person saying i don't know what it meant i was like okay that's a good joke actually that payoff is love <laughs> <laughs> he said this i don't know what it meant it was weird i'm like yeah no it was yeah. weird actually um I, I do want to list a couple of things that just like just very very funny um a few lines I've got down here my name is farley i'm the light blue knight that's all i'll ever be that is a great line <laughs> just kind of out of nowhere um i did love that again basketball came back and they had a basketball game to prove like who was the clone or not was just like <laughs> what a way a, of deciding it's such a farley thing it's just it's so so farley to get to get basketball well, into this it's, movie it's to decide who will go into the uh oh, yes, ring, gladiator, right? and yeah. then a, but the stakes are just like whoever makes the shot doesn't have to go i believe it's it's very uh very funny because they're uh they're shooting from behind their back. Like they're, they're not purposely trying to make the shot. So it's kind of like whoever makes it is just, you know, on luck, uh, whoever's going to sacrifice themselves. A, a great quote I wrote down, which links back to what Calvin was saying earlier in terms of like the weird, like cultural mishmash is just someone saying it came to me in this Proustian rush. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Again, just funny. Um, and to go back to what I was saying though about like the weird about like this is a film that does has like love triangles. It has like conventional arcs, and it has a lot of things that on paper sound very traditional and very played out. And these movies, and actually bits of the next one, are very good at doing traditional things with just this little knowing glint that makes it all okay. It seems to be just every now and then just very aware that it's being silly about it or that it's doing the traditional thing. Um, in the introduction to Druids, Druids Everywhere, they talked about how it wants to be a film that makes you roll your eyes but smile while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think they are good at doing that here. You're like, ah, we're doing this, are we? But I do kind of like it. So this is the fourth film in a quadrilogy that was not meant to be a quadrilogy. Frank Douglas Adams to have a trilogy of four things. It was actually meant to be seven films. Uh, Matt sent this earlier in the chat and it was uh, reiterated on the commentary track. And I would like to indulge you with the titles of these parts. So part one was meant to be, I hate my druid father. 
unproduced. Mm. <laughs> part two. I guess they got over their problems with their druid father. <laughs> part two, Thomasville, unproduced. Part three, Adventures in Crewman Country. We got that. <laughs> part four, On the Lamb, which was written but unproduced, which was meant to be the, se- uh, the segue between Adventures in Crewman Country and explain how Matt became Sammy. <laughs> Okay. So part five, okay, Sammy. I don't need that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. I don't need that. <laughs> well, it's written, unproduced, so maybe one day. Mm. Uh, part six, Druid Gladiator Clone. And here we are, part seven, produced in 2003 and released in 2020. Druids, mm. Druids everywhere. My first note was, is it me or does Farley look really young in this? Because I thought it was filmed in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because it's, it's got the letterbox date of that. And you'll notice yeah. that loads of the reviews on Letterboxd are referring to it as if it's a movie that came out in the pandemic and talking yeah. about it as like, like premier pandemic cinema. And like this yep. people talking about being like, this is what you get when you make from the pandemic. And I'm like, oh, this film was made a long time ago. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it just it sat on a shelf for years and wasn't released yeah. until the River Beast Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, so I, I know Matt's watched it before, and so have I actually. Um, but I rewatched the introduction um, done beforehand by the Golden Ninja crew um, interviewing um, Farley and Charlie. Um, and I like that um, Justin, you know, friend of the show, um, introduces it by mentioning how this like has the status of like the Magnificent Amazons kind of like full cut kind of idea of like this is the wonderful like lost movie yeah. of the um, Farley Charlie verse. Um, and it had that status for a while and they found it fantastic, beautiful. Um, and they were describing it, um, the crew, um, so Farley and Charlie, of talking about the shift here. And the description of Druid Gladiator Clone was that it was a fun, bright comic book. Hmm. Um, and they said, that's a fun, bright comic book. And this is, quote, dystopian weird, um, which is a nice way of putting it. And it gets into that, certainly. And the reason why they went so weird with this and the reason why it is so weird is because they're like, it's just going to be us two. It's an excuse to make just pretty much just us two, which means we're not bringing anyone else into it. So we're just going to go very, very silly with it is the idea. Mm. It's just, as you were saying earlier, Jack, it makes a lot more sense now. This is very much them working things out on camera and yeah. filming and to work out movie making. It's just like those two as an experiment, filming each other, doing weird stuff. Um, also, they wanted to have it, have the kind of like visual syntax of an art film, hence yeah. the black and white. Yeah, I do like that as a pre-echo of um, Heard She Got Married, where they're actually doing that more purposefully and better there, obviously. But they said that they wanted the whole thing to have the viewer going, is this a joke? <laughs> um, which, I'll be honest, and I don't think this is positive criticism, is kind of the feeling the whole way through. Mm. Now, I thought of Matt, this Matt, um, hi, um, when I watched the introduction, because they, all four of them in the intro, just made reference to a niche movie I never heard of as if it was common knowledge. Um, so, Matt, have you seen Track of the Moon Beast? No, I'm not familiar with this. Track of the Moon. That <sighs> sounds like idea. something I know. They mentioned it in the book too, and I was very confused. Unless it's an was. alternate title for something else. Okay, well, I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to go on it's record. Probably one of the zombie that, movies. Um, probably like Zombie Twelve is called Track of the Moon Beast. I've seen. I've seen Track of the Moon Beast. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Chad. <laughs> but it was a mystery science theater riffing of the movie as like a, oh, this, is, okay. this is bad and funny um so apparently the ending from this movie which as they say in the introduction is the bit that everyone's going to remember the ending is very very good actually it's a very very good joke apparently what track of the moonbees saw an ending similar when what you can just do that that's ridiculous it's a great um, and much like 
much like how on the River Beast podcast, um, not was River Beast podcast, sorry, the Friday the 13th part two podcast we did, where we talked to um, Farley about that great flashing light effect from River Beast, and he said, well, we saw enough movie, we liked it, so we used it. Um, that comes across here. Um, so yeah, that brings us to Druids, Druids everywhere, which my first question is, um, what do you think of this movie? Where are the Druids? <laughs> Everywhere, <laughs> no, no, but, but nowhere all at once. And there's I, just as much beard as there is druids. Yeah, there's maybe a, more beard. It's <laughs> just such a big caveman life of Brian gag beard that it just sort I, of. Uh, friends, friends, friends. They talk in the introduction about how they very much enjoyed Farley being in a beard, and Charlie said he found Farley much funnier in the beard. And I have to say, controversially, I find Farley way less funnier in the beard. And I yeah. find Yoda. Far- I, I get that it's an it's Empire Strikes Back, Yoda Farley sequence. I don't like the extended Yoda Farley sequence. I like some of the gags about jumping up on a tree and who can jump <laughs> furthest because that reminds me of like classic Mosin hijinks as a sequence. I uh, I find it quite irritating. I'm sorry. I feel like this is, I, f- I might be most positive on it. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's kind of elegiac for their method of movie making before now. Like this film wasn't quite completed, but it seems like the end of a road. Like it, it seems like the end of the road for the Druids especially. Yeah, and it didn't feel like there was any purpose to keep making hmm. those movies after this. Like hmm. this uh, has to happen almost as a launch you've had to do other things and, and to become more interested in um movies that are uh maybe they take themselves more seriously yeah. but after this I mean, it's point, all hobbyist but this feels more hobby than hobbyist if i had to like make like a distinction there this is like let's go out and just like film whatever as opposed to we are filming <laughs> yeah. something to make something this um, feels kind of like a downtime project as opposed to say something like sammy which felt like a real project which is such a strange thing to say but because it's such like a a, a lower production in terms of like yeah it's a smaller cast it's such like a, a simplistic structure and idea um it feels very scattershot as a closing to the series yes. as well. Yes, Jack. If I look at my notes, like mm. my notes make it look like when I read through, this is great because I keep writing down things I read back on are funny and clever and great. Like I've got little things here. Someone like the cake comes back. I mean, I wrote down resident cake memories, which I think is a great line for me personally rather than <laughs> the movie. So if I'd share that, um, but there's that one bit where it's just like Christianity versus Druidism. Christianity wins (laughs) and says true victory is inevitable that's really fun um and like there's random bits about toothpicks and like Kevin McGee going to save it um someone saying I guess I've got a wife I should save too is another line that I wrote down um there's another bit when he says like he wasn't raised by wolves because true wolves could not teach speech there is bits all the way through very very funny Hmm. him saying has he killed a boar with bare hands and eaten the bloody meat no and neither have I it's also a very very good joke Mm. in description so much that is very entertaining for me then every now and then I've got a note down by that just says like I'm losing patience with this now as it verges into oh so random as opposed to endearingly weird Mm. um and I think for me there's been a distinction and I think Sammy is, is is a great kind of like demarcation of this between silly Moten movie and more hardline pastiche and this feels like a collection of hardline pastiches, and I'm not as big a fan of their hardline pastiches. It feels like it's just shot very quickly and without a direct plan. Like, there doesn't seem to be a structure or any kind of... It's kind of formless, but in a way that I seem to like a little bit more than Stephen, that I I like that it's just these two together kind of making stuff that's completely on a whim. 
uh, before, uh, as it says in the book, uh, Farley takes like a, a year off to go like travel the country by van. Uh, hashtag van life. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I find it endearing. I, I guess that, that movie where Francis McDormand played um, Farley. Yeah. I do too. Really, really, really powerful. Um, I, I mean, she won the word for it. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and she did that wolf howl because as we know, Matt Farley was raised by wolves. Um, that is why she did that. Not because it was just very, very strange. I, I just like this moment in the, uh, it feels like it could have been the end. Like it, it feels like they could just stop making movies here. And it feels yeah. like it's like the end of a, of a thing that we've been tracking on this show. So I, I don't know. I, I like it a lot more than Sammy personally, but uh, mm. I'm, I'm not in love with it either. I think it has a lot of problems and it is structureless and goes really nowhere for me, but uh, I, oh, I yeah, do exactly. enjoy the process. Yeah, it's a very much experimentation, but not all experimentations have vapors of death. So I have to like, <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm, I'm glad it exists. I don't think yes. it fully works for me personally, like full the way nope. through. But again, it's a Motown project and I just like watching my friends, Matt and Charlie, do their thing on, on screen. <laughs> Matt, how do you feel? Did you get into it? Uh, it this like th- there are good lines there like I, the, I i like the beard stuff i like the yoda voice i but uh i can do it for you the whole podcast if you want it. it's I, not irritating at all i don't want to do this thank you steve oh i thought we all enjoyed the voice <laughs> put the pig mask back on <laughs> <laughs> i i wish that the these later druids movies after troop and country like uh, would remind us that Matt Farley used to be a mayor. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> like, remember, remember he, like, Matt cares about the canon of the Druid Look, saga. Yeah. All right. Like, this is what is this like four? your last Jedi? This isn't the Luke Skywalker that I recognize. He wouldn't do that. Matt it's, Farley used to be a mayor. It's well, like know, the man with no name. I mean, Matt Farley appears as Matt Farley, but he's really different characters. He's angelized. So yeah, I'd like to the man with that... one name. You know, like there's the Yodorowsky Dune book with like. I thought you were making a Yoda the... joke. No, <laughs> the Yodorowsky Dune book with all like the uh, his his weird scripts and set designs. Mm. I'd like to think somewhere out there is the On the Lamb Part Four of the Druid Saga. Um, there's a massive <laughs> behemoth book that fans are going to buy and try and make into an NFT that tells the story <laughs> of how um the mayor from adventures in Kruben country ended up like this but well, also they're to making complete the last jedi metaphor matt's gonna actually get matt because as we know that he is the um, last jedi hater that is this thing is going to like start this like big campaign to actually get on the land made to correct all these chronology issues <laughs> well they're making 10 movies in the next five years like maybe if they run out of ideas just i mean it's make it on the lamb who cares if you're totally make it on the lamb on the lamb on the lamb um, but yeah, I hate my druid father. It's just a fantastic name, and I thought I'd just mention that again. <laughs> it is very, very good. Uh, this film does have the return of something that the last film did not, and that is the frying pan. So I have hey, to shout I wrote out the pan. The return of the frying pan, uh, with some incredibly cartoony sound effects throughout. So I have to, I have to give props to that because they know but they know what the fans like and it's frying. No pans. bath with a pan though, which is really what, no. what I like. Um, last last film we have a. Do we have a bit of bath last one or like a hot tub or something? We had a lot of shirts, mm-hmm. Farley. So I think we did, and that's that's all that I, I personally need. Yeah. Um, I like the pan, and I like that at points it reminds me of Left 4 Dead 2 because it goes to first person like pan combat, which I just do enjoy that. So I like first person druid killing with pans is a thing that I will not pan. <laughs> okay. 
Let's let that pause there while we all soak in what Stephen says. For the says. record, all right, Jack laughed. I know he left a pause. I'm going to edit see out laughing. me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the record, it looks like a painful laugh. Um, I, that I, that's all I need. I'm sorry. It looks deeply it's, painful. It's out of politeness. I don't want to yeah. make Stephen feel bad. Uh, um... It's a hard film to talk around, isn't it? I feel like this yeah. is why we had to combine it with the other one because yeah, it's really it's, hard to stay motivated in that conversation of, I think of watching, what's happening. Watching, I watched them back to back and then went back to Drew a Gladiator clone Same. for the commentary track as well. <laughs> so and it's so, it's so different as well because these must have been filmed in the same year then, about 2003. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting to see these two like diverse dynamics they were working in at the same time pretty much in the same year and making this like silly comic book movie and then making this sort of like introspective art house inspired film with the two of them and the it's, next one is obtuse todd which i don't believe any of us have seen and i know no, little about I, but i, I, I believe about. it's like their attempt to make a serious movie like a film okay. festival movie Ooh. so like a heard she got married kind of movie which is one of their best movies interesting, yeah, interesting. we'll have to see mm. well this, um, this this oh no not no no never mind so druids druids everywhere i've i mean the one thing i thought maybe matt would be more into it matt being the resident like halloween kills um <laughs> lover and enjoyer there I, was I one enjoy. one line in it where someone just said the true horror of halloween has come home to rest i thought <laughs> it had specifically halloween kills vibes it was just like an inch away from evil, evil dies, dies tonight, tonight to me and i was just like yeah evil <laughs> dies tonight let's do this evil dies tonight I recommended a friend Halloween Kills the other day just because of that line. They said, this is my friend that did not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because there was too much Texas Chainsaw Massacre in it. Um, and they said they were going to watch Halloween Kills. And I said, well, I, I, I warn you, Halloween does kill in it several times. <laughs> so you also might not like it. But Evil Dies Tonight times. repeatedly. And that, that's kind of funny. So Evil Dies Tonight. Did you dislike Halloween Kills, Calvin? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, He hated I'm, it more than I did. Okay, very... so it's it's Matt and I against the world at this point for the Halloween <laughs> Kills gang. I'm very frustrated. I look at like the new Texas Chainsaw too, where like their complete belief in the franchise is people just go to Texas and die. It's like uh, these these movies were about something else. Like it's about suburbia and like a really deep mm. feeling of dread. And I, I think Halloween Kills expanded on that. I think Halloween Kills like perfectly sets that up, and it's like okay, I could feel that feeling of suburbia and a whole community being afraid, but. Uh, I, I would have liked it to really get into that shit. I mean, I, I would have liked I, Evil to die that there. night. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would have liked Evil to die too because now we have another Halloween coming this year. Halloween this ends. Year? Yeah, yeah, Halloween dies. What is it? Looking Halloween, forward to Halloween ends. Halloween, have Halloween everywhere. That, have you heard that great um, John Carpenter clip when he says it's called Halloween ends? I don't know if I believe that, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah I, I agree. Right. There'll be 55 more films, and I'll watch all of them. <laughs> I will too. I, I'm shameless about horror. It's like I can't the, wait for H40 40 years later. H202. H40. Yes. Years later. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jack. let's go Jason X with it. Let's put let's like propel it straight into space and into the future. I mean, the before Halloween, of Halloween is the that Friday the Thirteenth has better movies. Like because mm. <laughs> Halloween Kills is a Friday the Thirteenth. Exactly, which is it why is. I like yeah. it. I think. Yeah. But. Um, well, ushered in by Matt, actually, I got super into watching through slasher franchises last year and into this year, which I'd never redone before because I'd always been just like, eh, slasher, maybe not me. And now I've learned to love the slasher mm. in the same way that we learned love the um the beam um, and i came to the strange realization that matt said of like i think i think maybe i think the fridays are the best overall as a franchise but 
maybe Friday the 13th, though, none of the films is any, the best Friday the 13th film is not as good as any of the other films in the other franchises, but maybe as a collection, just fine, solid, whereas mm. some of the rest of them just have so much dross. Is it four and six? Or do we agree that's the best? Six. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. We're a Chris Glover fan club here. Um, for, <laughs> <laughs> and Corkscrew fan club, which feels like it could be a line in a... Uh, like that. Four feels like a film that the Motor and crew could pick up and run with. Just because it, it has like well, a similar it's vein. It's two that they love, right? They do love two. We know that. Two, Again, Mr. Yeah. Podcast speaking about two. Of course, yeah. Three, the bikers are too mean. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> that is a. I love that. That was uh, Farley's criticism. It's My favorite Farleyism. Yes, the bikers are too mean. <laughs> like, and I watched it with that in mind. I was like, you know what, Farley? I agree. These bikers are too mean. We need nicer bikers, of course. Hmm. And uh, uh, maybe Stephen said something great earlier, which is a. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, um, Farley the Thirteenth. I. I you came up with this title and, and I think we need to use that for the upcoming, you know, we need to get Matt back for a yearly uh, Friday 13th yeah, show maybe. And we need to do 13 of them. Um, yes. For the next, th- next 12 years. Unlike the franchise. <laughs> 12 years of Farley. 12, That's right? not quite as appropriate, but. Um... I'll, I'll never get over that the franchise stopped at 12 and there's so many rights issues out there that uh, Friday 13, 13. I mean, Matt, coming. you're a wealthy film producer. What's the film that you're working on currently? There's this grand crossover extravaganza that you're trying to bring to us. Oh, God. Uh, oh, Children of the Corn in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is this, <laughs> <my favorite? laughs> yeah. Is this what you're trying to refer to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, 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 I mean you're, big on, you're big into corn right now. Uh, uh, I, I have watched uh, all the Children of the Corn movies. Yes. Uh, Cornhead. The, the first few are better than corn you might think. I really like Children of the Corn too. Uh, they drop a house on somebody. Wizard oh, of cool. Oz style. Oz style. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might have sold me on that, but it looks like the, the dregs of that look like your Hellraisers or your yeah, Leprechauns, like, where it just gets nothing bad. worth watching past like four or five. Yeah, yeah just like Hellraiser. Just like uh, the Land Before Time. <laughs> is, is Children <laughs> of the Corn three okay? I I've heard yes. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I need to watch the others. I've seen one and two. I like Children of the Corn one quite a bit. I have yet to so, corn. I've yet to pop for corn. Yeah, no, I, I have. I have not. Very good. I have not. I have not corned either. Um, so to to end our Jerusalem's Everwhere discussion with one line from the movie which I liked. Take that, Druid. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, I don't really remember many lines from this film. He says I'm that still... as he kills the cup man. He says, "Take that, Druid," and he steals the dirt off of him. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just dies. The Kruben dirt. Kruben Dirt. I do let them mythologize the Kruben Dirt. Like, I, mm. I, I agree with you, Matt, about the through line of, like, Farley should be in there. I know I, I know, I ribbed you because you, you hate The Last Jedi because you hate women or whatever. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> that's not true. Um, I'm joking. Oh it's not a thing. Not a thing. Um, wow. So I do actually agree that he should be a mayor. Um, but I do like the, the follow-through of the Dirt and the Dirt face mask as well was, was fun. Mm. Like, the just dirt taped to the ankles to stay alive. <laughs> oh, that was in the three there are some fun ideas. Um, as they say, uh, dirt rules everything around me. As a <laughs> <laughs> the Crutang clan. <laughs> the Motang clan. There you go. And as we riff on those names, I'm sure now, um, Kevin, um, to return to your official role as custodian of the website, thequeengeeks.com, um, can you uh, inaugurate today's episode of Plugs Ahoy? Uh, yes. <laughs> 
Um, as I said the other day, I want to plug Jack. Um, uh, not, not sexually, <laughs> I should clarify. Excuse me. He's right here. You can plug him. We'll carry on soloing in. Carry on, Jack. Yay. <laughs> carry on, Krubin. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of shows going. We have the Daydreamcast, which is back with a new co-host, uh, Murph and uh, Brogan are doing Half-Life that just came out last week. And we have uh, really good, really, really good. I'm loving, I'm just loving Murph. I have to say, I even sent him a message yeah. to say that I loved him. Um, it's just like such, I think it's a legitimately fantastic podcast that like is has a lot of like dry sense of humor, is very funny, and mm-hmm. has very stupid things to say. I love Half Life so much, um, more than he does, certainly. And I really enjoyed that podcast, even with their critiques of it and me being like, I don't agree, but this is a good conversation. <laughs> It will have uh, 808s and Heartbreaks or Podbreaks. I still don't know the name of the show that I renamed, so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, 808s and Podbreaks is a show about Yeezus um, coming next week. Uh, We have, uh, what else do we have, uh, Stephen? We have Ranking the Monsters come back next week or a week or two yeah weeks. yeah because i we, we we can well we're going to record next week i think yes because um, okay. we're going to watch um destroy all monsters and king of the monsters not king of the monsters exclamation mark we've done that one it's the worst <laughs> um just just with clifford just above it obviously if you know the list um matt doesn't um spoilers but yeah, Destroy All Monsters and King of the Monsters, the pseudo-American remake was the uh-huh. American movie that's most inspired by it. And I think, well, because basically our problem was the next two movies, as everyone here knows, is Destroy All Monsters, then All Monsters Attack. And they are so different from each other that the conversation does not help each other either movie. No. Because you're just like, they're just so we're, I, I think we're going to save All Monsters Attack for a similar Gamera movie that is very similar to a Monsters oh, Attack. Um, yeah. yeah. And Destroy Monsters will be very much more, its brilliance will be shown by the Americans trying to do that and failing. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of spoiling things. Mm-hmm. I we'll also know in my podcast. A that, couple weeks with Kimmy. That um, just, but just dropped recently with Texas yeah. Chainsaw. So our conversation about that, if you want to listen to myself and our great friend Vaughn talk about Texas Chainsaw and expand what Calvin was saying, listen to that. I have uh, David from the Twin Geeks coming over tonight. Uh, he's been a couple days here. We're watching all these Bogdanovich DVDs. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, watching two other Bogdanovich on YouTube. So we're just going to be mainlining cinema for the next three days and, <laughs> awesome. and going and playing uh, laser tag in person. So that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> just uh, bring a pan. Bring a pan to the laser fight. Bring a laser pan. Will do. And, uh, and a beam of goodness. After that. Did we did we decide what we're doing? I think we're having Stephen on for a series after that, so uh, that's yes. that's exciting. I don't know if we could formally announce that yet. But no, uh, I alluded to it on the spoiling things. I said that keep okay. looking out that there's something coming up, but I we did not say who. But it's going to be a director. <laughs> we definitely weren't planning to do a Russian director and needing to change it last minute. So don't worry <laughs> no, about that. We were not. <laughs> no, we were not planning that. No, and I wouldn't admit it if we were. So no, that didn't strike at the wrong time. <laughs> I don't know his other movies. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Battleship from Listen, 2012. And let's just say the last 12 days have really shaken the world. I know. Uh, I just wanted to make a. I just wanted to make a lot of a uh, Pod Temkin um, references. Oh, I, I wanted to name the show Pod Temkin, but uh, would have been good. Yeah, would have been nice. But I don't acknowledge Russian cinema or uh, uh, a whole like, uh, culture. You're, you're of basically the Glasgow making. Film Festival. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, we'll get back to that. That that sounds great. Uh, but we'll do something else after yeah. Bogdanovich, and we'll take a week break off that show. Uh, but we have too many shows anyway, so uh, enjoy yeah. those. Too let's many shows. Start, let's start one more. Yes. How about we start a show where we rank our shows <laughs> <laughs> and really make enemies? 
Ranking the geeks. Yeah. Ranking Ooh. the geeks. I like it. Well, Isn't so that what if... Nightmare Alley is about? Yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, Spoilers, sorry. I know Nightmare Alley good for our brand because it really defines, it says literally in the new movie what a geek is, which is great <laughs> for us, which is just like, oh, a deformed circus performer. I'm like, well, that's not great for the site brand, but it's, it's hey, all right. Bradley Cooper can be a geek, then I can be a geek. I'm saying exactly. Um, then we'll have a uh, stacks coming in a couple weeks. Um, stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. We really do have a lot of shows going. Mm. Uh, Fast and Furious is that is that coming back one day? Yeah, I I floated the idea of we should start watching some Fast and Furious movies, and I was met with <laughs> very lukewarm <laughs> response. Oh, did you send that to me? Because I missed that. But uh, yes, <laughs> I'm a busy boy. Um, I will happily get back on those films that I know nothing oh, yeah, about. Well, you know, you didn't yesterday, but fine. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, and the four of us might be working on a new pod series soon as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We might tease. Yeah. We're going to do some cult film stuff. We don't. We haven't really formalized that yet, but that's going to come at some point. Matt yeah. wants to make us watch one specific movie, and I'm down for that. <laughs> well, and we're I making a whole want, show because of that. I also want to watch that movie again because it's. it's yeah, we get Miss Jack's proposal out. Yeah, burial ground. Never even, yeah. Hell yeah, it's the burial ground podcast coming to uh, thetweengeeks.com. In a few months, maybe. <laughs> in a few, years. <laughs> a few months, years. It will exist at one point. It needs to be this year because it's on my resolutions list. I need to watch it. Unless I, well, maybe I'll watch it twice. Coming this year, uh, something that might have burial ground in it. We're going to do a minute-by-minute Burial Ground podcast. So every episode is going to be one minute of Burial Ground. Um, with watch some, it. We're brave I'd, enough I'd watch to do it. that. I wouldn't listen to it. I'd watch it. <laughs> do a frame-by-frame analysis. Like Roger Ebert. And Don't tempt game. me with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, TwinGeeks.com. TheTwinGeeks.com. Follow us all on Letterboxd. Follow us all on Twitter if we have Twitter. Follow us Zero all in the street. Um, I don't know. Don't let the Motown cast get you. Bye. Uh, thanks for using your sexy voice on the phone. I, I forget the fucking line. Every episode. No, it was like, <laughs> we all sound super sexy today. Char- <laughs> Goodbye. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so talented. You are a very good movie maker. You're the director of lots of great movies like Farley and Slingshot Cops. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so good with a camera. You can get lots of shots done in one day. talented movie director Charlie Roxburgh you are a kind and decent human being oh Charlie Roxburgh I love all of the movies that you make I love watching don't let the river be sketchy genius man Charlie Roxburgh yeah yeah yeah